Yes, so my name is Margot Daris. I'm a project manager at the Dutch Cycling Embassy and I'm here together with my colleagues Dick and Jasper and we're hosting a Think Bike Workshop to help Reno uh, become a more bike-friendly city. The Dutch Cycling Embassy came to Reno in September. They were here to discuss how the Netherlands became bike-centric and to help the biggest little cities' cycling efforts. The Truckee Meadows Bike Alliance to help organize the embassy's visit. Margot Daris is one of three people from the embassy, which was part of the Think Bike workshops and presentations about cycling and its bottlenecks in the Reno area. And what have you learned about Reno since you've been here? Reno is a beautiful city, uh, especially with the river. It looks amazing. We've been taking a walk out there today, and we think there is a lot of potential for cycling, both next to the river, but also in the city center and connecting all the neighborhoods. Uh, we feel like there aren't too many cars on the road here, so, and the, car, the roads are very wide, so we believe that there's enough space to put bike lanes there as well and to have a safe and uh, connected uh, bike infrastructure. Um, well, we believe that the people are very friendly, uh, politics is very involved, and we're very happy that the mayor got to open the workshops um, yesterday and we're presenting to city council tomorrow. Uh, So we're very glad about that. For This Week in Reno News, I am Bob Conrad with ThisIsReno.com. On today's show, we cover some of the discussion generated by the visit from the Dutch Cycling Embassy. We also hear about what they think of Reno and how it can become more bike-friendly. The group met with the Reno mayor and at one event played a documentary about how the Netherlands became the country with the highest use of bicycles in the world. When I grew up, I may still remember that uh, bicycles were really uh, not supposed to be on the streets. There were cars everywhere. And it was almost, it could have happened another way. Uh, The tipping point was there. So why did the Netherlands really preserve the cycling cultures where in other countries where they had it, sort of lost it? This is a clip from the movie's trailer, which is available online. People from abroad visit the Netherlands and they see all the cycling infrastructure in our streets. They often think this must always have been that way. Well, it's not. It's strange that people have forgotten about it, even in the Netherlands. You just take your everyday reality and and think it's always been like that. Even the Dutch do that. But it hasn't. It has been very recent, this development. documentary is called Together We Cycle. It details how the Netherlands had a massive cultural shift to become more bike-centric. But that shift took a long time, decades even. The missing link there is people. 
So government can play a, a certain amount, certain role, but people have to, have to step up, just like you know parents. And so you know that's one area. If, if children work in selling this idea, then this is Kai you know, Plaskin with the Truckee Meadows the Bicycle Alliance. <laughs> yes, I'm going to say if you looked at the black and white segments of the film from the 50s and 60s, there was a lot of people in work clothes commuting to work. And as the cost of gasoline and cars goes up and electric bikes become more popular, it looks like maybe we'll see more commuting to work. The group's visit generated a lot of discussion and interest. Yeah, people have to weigh uh, what's more valuable, like, or is it gas or my life? <laughs> and, you know, it's not, not a fun thing to try and weigh. Uh, but there, there is an effort to build a, a, a protected path on Audi Wells that will take up a, a very large uh, area of underserved community and be able to bring them to downtown. Uh, and there's connections between those two, so on protected paths. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah you, you had a question earlier. Yeah, ahead, so. I like a big statement and I have a question. Uh -huh. um, I, I see there's a, a, I see hope for the, for the future of cycling as part of our regular motor transportation because of primarily the e-bike. Because the e-bike is for the masses and uh, what inhibits people from riding, riding, riding to work, it's up, besides safety, is it's hard. Like you work all day, you're on your feet eight hours, you don't want to ride uphill against the wind home. But if you had an e-bike with pedal assist, or any e-bike for that matter, it, you, you would more likely choose that as an option. And in Reno, we have an inversion layer here. And it's caused primarily by, not the inversion, but the pollution that, that it causes is caused by uh, particulate from automobiles ground, pulverizing the sand on the streets. Then it gets in the air and it stays here for a long time. If, you, if you've ever lived here for a while, you know what that is. So promoting bicycles and e-bike in particular, that is a, is a way to reduce pollution. That's very, very real thing, and it would have, it would have impact immediately on pollution, air pollution quality in the winter here. And uh, so I see that that because the masses, the masses, non-cyclists like e-bikes. I have a lot of friends and family that are not into cycling. I'm into cycling, but they're not. And people like me, you don't have to go coach people like me to ride the bike to work. But to get people to, that are not into cycling to consider cycling, the e-bike is the ticket, I believe, in the future. Very near future. The future's now, actually. We just haven't done it yet. So what I think is going to happen, more people are going to be riding e-bikes, and there's going to be a demand for safe, separate bike thoroughfares, or whatever you want to call it, whatever they call it. So my, my question is, what impact has the e-bike had in Amsterdam or Holland or whatever? First, what impact do I expect the e-bike to have in the U.S.? It's going to be a major game changer. Um, it was in Holland. Thinking of the, uh, the conversation that was had with that one guy that was describing the, the ongoing dialogue with the aldermen, people will come to him and say, oh, well, people are dying at this intersection. And then there's another party that comes and argues against it. It's really opaque, at least in my experience, how to actually get involved with this sort of organizing with poli with policymakers. Sort of like stay in that dialogue. How do how do we stay informed on, like you said earlier, that uh, for instance that project uh, 
new projects that are going on to build new bike lanes? How do we accelerate the momentum to get those things started, get those things going? Like I'm thinking maybe if we could, if we can know where those projects are going and we direct people in the cycling community to start biking those paths more and really move people out of the way so that these things can like start get started is there anything like that that happens in the netherlands and the next day i spoke directly with the folks from the cycling embassy dick van veen yeah Yeah. and can you spell that v-a-n-v-e-n okay and uh, what is your role uh, I design streets and places, so I'm an architect and an engineer. You made a comment last night about um, electric bikes. Could you expand on that and how they're a game changer? Yeah, um, yeah what I said last night at the public meeting is uh, electrical bikes, I think we all think they are going to be game changers in the US. Um, the cycling stuff we do in Europe relates a lot to distance as we cycle in Europe. And, and well, Europe mainly is built for in walking distance, right? The, the, wherever you go, there's always a village or a church tower within sight. Distances are way greater over here. Um, so implementing the same sort of cycling as we do in Europe, Western Europe, is pretty hard because distances are the great or the, the steepness of the terrain isn't always even uh, just as flat. And electrical bikes, they just ignore all that. So there is no hill anymore. Everything's more or less flat on your, on your electrical bike. And your speeds are higher. Um, so if distances are greater, you, still, you can still make that. Does it mean you're getting the same sort of bike infrastructure as in Western Europe? No, I guess not. I guess you would take bits and pieces of it and design your own version of that. But they are going to be the game changers, getting people out of the car and onto their bikes. Yeah. Right, and uh, do you have any impressions of Reno that maybe Margot yeah, didn't cover? Yeah, and to Margot. Um, when cycling around uh, and when discussing this with City of Reno and with Dardisee, um, what we more or less, what struck for me is that the amount of infrastructure we see in the past have often been based on a very ad hoc basis. There is there is space over here, let's add a bike lane. And then at the next intersection, we don't have space, so let's don't do anything. The next block, there's nothing. The block after, there's a protected bike lane. Uh, it's always like the, the way of the least resistance. If you can fit it in and no one's against it, let's do it. Um, I try to turn that around. So what I try to do with, uh, with, this, with, this, with the city people and, and region people in my workshop, I try to think about what's needed. So look at the larger picture, what's the categorization for cars, what's the ideal, what the destinations for bikes and the origins, how to combine those and then see what's needed on the street. And maybe then we don't need bike infrastructure on this and that street, but we do need something on that hard one. And so making the hard choices. Yeah based on some sort of background. A lot of hard choices need to be made in this town. Yeah, that's true. Um, but change is never easy. Did, did you have any other observations that you want to add? Yeah. Um, I, know, I, I understand what you're saying. Uh, and, and that is also because a network is always as safe as the most dangerous point you see. Huh? So a lot of the route can be perfectly safe and nice and serene, but then you've got one or two very bad intersections and they those are the ones you're stuck in your mind. And those are the ones which will help you in your decision if you do that bike ride again or never again. Um, at the same time, we've done these workshops in a lot of different American cities. And this is by far not the worst. It's one of the better ones. 
Oké, okay, dat is naar nice Jufferman. Nou, ehm. Nevada's used to be the last in many things. No, no. no. So that's why I laughed. Well, regarding regarding cycling, yeah. you're not the last at all. So, yeah. this is places which are 10 times worse to cycle. Like Las Vegas? Never been to Las Vegas, can't say. <laughs> that was a dig on Las Vegas, sorry. I know. <laughs> No, but there's, there's, there's bigger cities. With, with, there's, as Margot said, there's not a, the amount of cars on the street, especially in off hours, is so limited that there's a lot of opportunities to change stuff. And uh, I think that's, uh, that's, a, that's a strength you can build on. And maybe I do have one more last question. Um, so you're with the, is it the cycling embassy? Is that a government thing? <laughs> no. No? It's not a government thing. We're a public-private network organization. And we represent uh, knowledge institutes, uh, non-governmental organizations, private organizations, and also municipalities, provinces, and the Ministry of Infrastructure in the Netherlands. The and Ministry of in Infrastructure and Governance, and what is that? So the Ministry of Infrastructure and Water Management, they focus on uh, biking, uh, active transportation, public transportation, but also about electric vehicles and those kind of stuff. And uh, the road networks in the Netherlands, and then also because uh, we're partly below sea level, so there's also a lot about water management uh, in the Netherlands. Is the ministry, the ministry is part of the government though, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that, that's been confusing for us because our government structure is different than yours. So understanding the private-public partnership part and the, yeah. it's been hard for us to understand and wrap our heads around. I think. Yeah. A little so bit. basically, we have a tiered system. So you get ministry, um, the, the national government ministry, which are different ministries. They get municipalities and they get different departments. So the, the provincial DOT, for instance, and the national ministry of transport and the local DOTs. So they're all stacked. And, and that part of government is then bundled with companies and with knowledge institutes um, in a network organization. We're used to working together in the Netherlands because we believe that you cannot achieve something on your own. You always need people from different backgrounds, with different stories, um, representing different institutions. And if you all work together, then you achieve the best results. And that's also what we try to do here during the Think Bike Workshop. Uh, working together with people from RTC, from the city, from uh, private institutions, and then also with the Dutch knowledge and the Dutch experience. We think we can uh, create a great cycling network here in Reno. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your coming out to, to do this. It's been, I was very enlightened last night, so thank you. Hey, Bob. Yeah. So, uh, David's from A participant NDOT. in the Think Bike workshops included David Greif with the Nevada Department of Transportation. Oh, okay. Right. So their impression of it. You know, yeah. So. Um, I would just say that so far it's been um, a great experience, really eye opening, and I like the ambitious nature in which um, they've brought their ideas that um, kind of not not limiting our sites to the current inf infrastructure but really setting um, big and ambitious goals so we learned about BHAG which is all about big hairy ambitious goals yes. and uh, I'd, I'd love to see those uh, come to fruition at some what, point. Was that a new term for you? That was a new term for me okay. yeah. yeah but uh, yeah no overall I think it's been um, Great. Well, I know your director is an advocate for, 
for walkability and cycling and micromobility? Yeah. Um, actually, uh, before I got this job at NDOT, I was a professional cyclist for three years. Um, so I've ridden all over the country and parts of North America. Uh, You're still alive to tell the story. I'm still allowed to tell the story. Uh, I've, I've ridden many miles here in Reno, um, and I've gotten to know the ins and outs really well. Um, but I've also come to see that um, our city can can serve our population um, in a much better way, a safer way, um, more beautiful way, and healthy way. So I'd love to love to see that be done with micromobility. Also present was Scott Gibson with the Washoe County Regional Transportation Commission. And uh, again, this workshop is great. Uh, the Netherlands and Amsterdam and their cycling infrastructure is just so uh, in- incredible. But this workshop goes through the process that it took them to get there because they were congested, car-oriented city back in the 70s and 80s and just started doing things and started innovating and the benefits and safety and health and uh, livability and quality of life that emerged out of that has made that a, a, a cultural shift. And we can do that here as well. What's it going to take here? Because there, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. Uh, again, the, the U.S. is very car-oriented and a car-centric society, and we are in northern Nevada pretty much as well. But we have a, a, um, an enthusiastic outdoor recreation-oriented community, a lot of bikers, Greg Lamont's from here. So we have those two cultures here that can uh, merge and you know, there's, for example, when we do road diets at the RTC, it, uh, like on Plum and California and Arlington that have been done in the past, crashes go down 30, 40, 50 percent. And that's from drivers. So drivers, the car drivers are the ones who benefit from creating infrastructure for other users. And it's, again, quality of life, livability, um, uh, financial incentives, look at Wells Avenue, look at uh, Midtown, how creating more space for other users makes it better for all the users and safer for all the users. Well, I love, I love the Midtown um, bike lane or bike right away. I don't know what the proper term is, but I love just cruising down that. And uh, I've never had an issue with a car trying to run me over yet. Exactly. It's really interesting because that's a shero. There really isn't any separate space for bicycles. But the way the street is designed, nobody's driving more than 20 miles an hour. So it's comfortable. Cars and bikes coexist because those speeds are at the same level. And if you, anybody can recall back, I guess it's been 15 years or so, that Wells Avenue was uh, redesigned. It used to be you know, four lanes, two in each direction. It was a high-speed corridor separating two neighborhoods, and now it's much more pedestrian, lots of thriving businesses and all of and that. So it's, again, making these moves and creating these spaces for other users is really, there's a lot of benefit to everybody, the whole community. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thanks. I spoke with two people before one of the embassy's presentations. We were at Kraft on Martin Street in the large back room. The event was moved to Kraft due to wildfire smoke from California, and the room was packed. South on Sinclair? By glass dye, etc. Hey, what what brought you to the event today? 
Um, uh, to learn about bike infrastructure from the Dutch, from the professionals. This is Jamie Chapman, who runs Pineapple Pedicabs. Right, because their infrastructure is way different than ours. Their infrastructure, yeah. I went to the event today and I learned about the Netherlands and I actually got a ride around with them. And they were impressed. They, they were like, this isn't the most dangerous city that we've ever rode. But they're going to do this it for three... It, it is not. It is not. It is not the most dangerous city. They're like, we didn't fear for our life at every turn. Um, obviously, there's room for improvement, but um, we'll see. They're going to be here for three days, and they'll be doing studies each day and talking to us. And then on Wednesday, we're going to pre- they're going to present at City Council, and we'll know their findings. Cool. But Hillary was there today, and was everybody's been supporting us, so it's great. Dave Pritchett, what brought you here tonight? Hi, Bob. Um, I just want to see what uh, other great ideas for bicycling safety and infrastructure more than what the city or RTC just gives to us as sort of a take it or leave it, the way it feels sometimes. On a scale of 1 to 10, how avid of a bicyclist are you? Um, Well, in practice, not very avid because I don't go away from the home office very often, but... um, in terms of enthusiasm and, and preparedness, I could be in the 70th percentile. You know, I'm I'm fortunate. You know, bicycling would be a choice, just like bus riding, instead of a dependent. I, I've known you to be a pretty big advocate for uh, public transit and things for a long time. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, trans, transit bus service is really getting hammered nationwide just because people are out of practice with the, the pandemic and we're seeing that right here in Washoe County where so many routes are curtailed or canceled and um, the, the, a lot of the core ones are still there but um, without a minimal headway the frequency of bus comes to a stop um, people will not wait for it and uh, I think we're really slipping now and Jamie uh, yeah. Since you, for a living, uh, ride <laughs> ride around yeah. town, uh, uh, what, what's your what's your overall take? You've been here about three, four years on Reno's bicycling infrastructure. My, my, well, this is the only town I've ever been hit by a car in. But over, overall, I, I'm, I'm very excited about the change. I think that the city of Reno really is moving in the right direction, right, with the new micromobility pilot program and, and bringing the Dutch here and being involved in becoming more bike safe. It's the progressive way. So you, you would say you're, you're approving of the direction uh, Reno is heading in? I am 100% approving in the direction that Reno is heading yeah, I've been bicycling here since I moved here in 1990, and uh, I feel like personally I'm lucky to be alive still, yeah. frankly. Yeah, 100%. Especially when you first moved here and with all the construction and things that were happening down in Midtown. And Midtown is not, I mean, by any means perfect for cyclists, but I think that the, the idea is there and, and it's going to get there. And, and at least we're trying, you know, if you're trying, we're, it's better than not doing anything. And if anything, we're raising awareness. I think the biggest issue that we're running into right now is is the education piece with educating educating the drivers and the cyclists. Like today, I learned something where I ride, because I'm on a pedicab, I ride more like a car where I'm like, oh, I'm turning left. I'm going to get into the left-hand lane like a car would. And that's how I ride my bike. 
And that's actually not the proper way. When you have a bike lane, you do a point turn. So you go to the stoplight in your bike lane, and then at that point you turn left, so you wait for the traffic light like once and twice, then you go into the left-hand lane and you'll be the first one to turn left. Wait, are, so you're saying you cross in front of cars that are stacked up? At the stoplight, yep. So you wait for the stoplight and then you cut over. So you go like straight, sorry, I'm like acting this out and this is audio. You take the bike lane all the way to the stoplight. You wait for the stoplight once. And then the second time that the stoplight, like once it's stopped, then you cut over left and get into the left-hand turning lane. And then you, the bikes are in front and are able to go. So you don't, the way I've always done it is as I approach that center lane, start I start going to the you left. start merging, exactly. Right, so like what you're saying is stay in the bike lane, wait yes. for it to stop, and yes. then while it's stopped, you cross over yes, in front? exactly. Exactly, that is the proper way that you're supposed to use a bike lane, and I just learned that today. And so I think education is a huge thing, right? Like as a cyclist and as a driver. And the Dutch, what they were saying is that they actually teach this to kids in school. They teach them about traffic, they teach them bike traffic, regular traffic, like how you behave in traffic as a pedestrian, which we don't learn that at all, right? And they teach, they teach them all sorts of great stuff. But Most of us haven't learned how to drive properly. Exactly. Do we, do you, I don't even think every state like makes you take a driving class, do they? Like I went to this. My mom paid this like crazy money, and I went for a week, and I stayed there and learned how to drive with police officers. They froze the parking lot and put up cones and put you in a spin, and you had to get out of it. So I like really learned how to drive. But I think if they did that, like half that, with bikes and walking, because as a kid, you're like, look left and right, but that's your folks teaching you that, you know, not like learning it proper in school. Like what if we did educate children? Start from the beginning. The, the way I learned to drive was in these, you probably remember these, Dave, the, the modules, the, yeah, this, the, the, they look like little mini cars and you, and you sit in them. But they're like super low definition, like not even VHS quality, and they play these dumb videos, and you're supposed to practice braking and going. A si Wait, no, they're a simulator. We we just call the stimulator for fun because you know it was eighth grade. <laughs> but yeah, they were pretty low resolution video, and um, it was more for people who apparently never watched anyone else drive in a real car. So, um, but what you were saying. To go forward and then turn left seems like it would only work with that green zone at the head of the lane. No, so the it, bike it, the bike box. The that's box, that's yes. a bike box, right? And so it's it's actually not. And even in, um, like downtown, where was it? I don't even think there was. Yeah, I did go to the. Sorry, but it's supposed to be for like you actually like use the crosswalk almost or like right before it. So I think it would work with the bike box, and maybe we can ask them that today if it, if it only works with a bike box, but my understanding was that you take the bike lane to the stoplight, wait, and then you use it almost like a pedestrian and go in front of the traffic that way. But now, doesn't the person in the left turn lane then get really mad at you if you pull up in front of them in the crosswalk? Well, I mean, when you, when you merge right now, do you stay behind traffic or you cut through and go to the front? Both. Yeah. I mean, I cut through traffic because you want the... No, that's the safe way, right? You don't want the, to, them to, like... You don't want to be in the middle. You want to be in the front so they see you and you're not going to get, like, slammed or smashed in between, like, a sandwich kind of situation. So you always go to the front so they can see you. Anytime you're at a stoplight, you, go, you need to be in the front. That's safe. 
unless you're in a pedicab and you can't get through. You're too I've been doing it all. I've been doing it all wrong all these years. Doing? I've been riding a bike since I was like three. You know. I'm so sorry. That's it for this week in Reno News. If you like the show, please give us a review on your favorite podcast app. And visit us online at thisisreno.com for all your Reno news and events coverage. <laughs>